We're in part three of the series, Jesus Style. My teaching asks this question, is spiritual power for today? Is spiritual power for today? Now, we're going to be in a lot of scriptures, but the way the sermon structured is going to take a few minutes to get there. So I hope, I was going to say all you Bible people, but I hope all of you are Bible people. Don't get nervous and think, oh, Aaron's not getting to the scripture because we got a lot coming at you in just a few minutes. But the whole purpose of this series, um, Jesus style, is we, we want to believe this premise, and I hope you believe it, that Jesus was an example to us. And then you can see clearly in scripture, Jesus said, hey, the things I've done, you're going to do also. And in my life, there's a huge disconnect sometimes between what Jesus did and what I do. And I want us in my personal life and us as a community to shorten that gap so we can begin to see Jesus as the standard and Jesus as the example, and specifically in the area of power. We're going to talk about power today. And, and for my purposes, what do I mean when I talk about power? I'm meaning this, miracles, signs and wonders, um, healings. This is a type of power that I'm talking about today. And we believe in our church, and we strongly believe it's, it's a it's a differentiation from some other churches, is that God's power, healings, miracles, signs and wonders, did not stop with the last apostle. But it continues in us if we believe. So the purpose of these teachings and the purpose of today's teaching is to help you believe more. So I, I am hoping and my intention today is that we'll pray more and believe God more for the impossible. Now, in order to get to that place of, of strength of faith, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll need to deconstruct some misconceptions. And the reason I wanted to make it crystal clear what I'm teaching today is so in the middle part, when I bring up some points, you will understand what the outcome is. The outcome is this, is we want to believe that God is sovereign over his people. And because of that, we're going to ask God to do his work. Because he has chosen, he has chosen to respond to our prayers and even to inspire our prayers or even providentially to cause us to pray. All of those different concepts are true. So I think you're going to be blessed and encouraged by this. I've certainly been encouraged by this. I'm thankful to a book I read as a young man, Jack Deere's book, Surprised by the Power of the Holy Spirit. That's been uh, inspiring to me as I've re-looked at some of those notes. Today's uh, scripture will be a lot about healing uh, just because that's where the scriptures take us. But I want, I want you to um, also understand that when we, uh, the reason I chose the word power is because it's beyond just healing. It's also signs and wonders, miracles, and spiritual gifts according to 1 Corinthians 12. So things like prophecy and things like gifts of faith. Those are all things that uh, the Holy Spirit has given us to receive. But, you know, we have to have the right teaching and the right willingness in order to receive what the Lord has given us. And so, hey, let's see what the Lord says. Now, here's one of the biggest arguments against spiritual power existing today. One of the biggest arguments is this. The miracles we see in churches like ours are different than in the book of Acts. And here's what people will argue. They'll argue in the book of Acts, most people are okay with Jesus doing healing, so that's good, right? Okay, Jesus is okay because he's the Messiah. But Peter and Paul... And Philip and, and the others who did miracles. The argument is when they performed miracles, the miracles were instantaneous. 
They were irreversible and, and the miracles were complete. Whereas some would argue today in suburban churches like ours, uh, we often see healings that are healings of process, that are partial healings. We, all, we all sometimes see healings that reverse themselves. And so that's one of the arguments people will make. And so they say, well, because of this human observation, then I guess that all miracles and all power ministry stopped with the last apostle. Well, let me just give you some natural uh, kind of counterpoints to that before we dive into the scripture today. First of all, I, I want to make it this point is that we know that Jesus himself said about the gospels or John said that not everything about Jesus was written. So we don't know everything about Jesus. Uh, we happen to know Matthew, Mark, and Luke kind of come from the same source and then John's a little different, but we, we don't know all that Jesus did. And the scripture is clear that there wouldn't be enough libraries in that known world to record all that Jesus did. And so it's, it's logical and even biblical to say, we don't know every prayer that the apostles gave. We don't know every prayer. Every time someone was healed in the New Testament era, it's not necessarily written in scripture. So we, we, we can make some assumptions, and they are assumptions, we can we, you know that, that it's, it's very likely that the apostles did pray for some people and they weren't healed. It's likely that they did pray for some people and they were partially healed. It's likely that they prayed for some people and it was healed in a process. Or it's also logical to think that there's even more spectacular miracles that they didn't even record. So it could, it could go either way. But the point is, is that we don't have all of the story. And you guys know this, is that in, in the story of scripture, there are huge gaps, like gaps of centuries between stories. Or if you, even if you're reading the story of Elisha and Elijah, or Elijah and Elisha, just to get them in the right order. Uh, there, there can be long periods of time between story B and story C. Because when you're telling a story, you tell the highlights, don't you? You tell, trying to convince people, t trying to tell the story of the first century church. And so he's giving these kind of mountaintop highlights. And this propels us theologically and it propels us experientially. But you can't say that, that the apostles prayed for every person and every person was healed every time. We just, we don't know that as a fact. And we know that even in the New Testament that the, the, the disciples went out and Jesus gave them authority and they came back and said, hey, we couldn't, we couldn't pray for this one demon-possessed person. And Jesus said, well, you need to pray more. So that's another example of, of this didn't just happen, okay? I also will say this is, is another, I'm refuting the argument that, that miracles don't occur today because of our experience. Because, you know, you, you went to church in the suburbs of Atlanta or you went into church somewhere in, in the Northeast and you haven't seen it. Well, regionally, th this is a fact. Christianity is growing very, very rapidly in South America and very, very rapidly in Africa and very rapidly in China. And, and also it's growing even in places hostile to the gospel. China is one of those places in Iran. And there are many reports of God doing miraculous things in other parts of the world now. So the, the, the developed world, um, you know, we tend to not really need as many miracles because we trust other things. 
But if you're in relationship with missionaries, which Beth and I, we're in deep relationships with many missionaries, we, we hear reports of miracles, healings, signs and wonders that are happening right now, right now, today. I mean, it's kind of like, it reminds me that the story of God working today reminds me of the man Jesus healed. And, and, he, and the, the Pharisees are like, tell us what happened. And he said, well, I don't really know what happened. I just know I was blind, but now I see. And so you can have a carefully scripted doctrine of cessationism, which means uh, the gifts of the Spirit cease with the last apostle. And you can have all of, all of that just neat, neat and tidy and presentable academically. Uh, and then you can go to India and see someone who was blind who can see again. I don't know which one you're going to believe, but, but I see the power of God in the name of Jesus, not in a mystical force, but in the name and authority of Jesus, healing the sick and doing miraculous things. So that's, that's happening all over the world today. I'd also say this, that historically and even biblically, there seems to be particular times where the power of God, healings, signs and wonders, miracles, just making that clear, is, is more evident during certain time periods by the sovereign will of God. You can see that all through the Old Testament. The New Testament was a time period in itself. And historically, you can see that in certain regions, at certain times, God does specific works for his people. And so this is, this is part of the sovereignty of God. And so that's why we're praying for revival and renewal, and we're expecting that. So I, I want to just honor uh, Jimmy Rivera Jimmy, Jimmy's a hard worker. Can you just raise your hand real quick? Okay. Yeah, I know he, he didn't want this 242 leader. He's been, him and Pastor Aubrey have been coming for, for months, every, a lot of Fridays, most Fridays at 6 a.m. to pray for renewal in our church. And so, man, we, we appreciate that. And there's other prayer groups too. If I start calling out the different prayer groups now, you know, it's going to be this, that, and the other. So, uh, but I just saw that and I don't know, the Lord, I felt like the Lord may have wanted me to say that. So, these are the, the, this is what we're dealing with. So let me just kind of recap the idea that you can't argue from silence. We don't know all that happened with the apostles, but we do know that today there are signs and wonders happening all over the world. And we know historically, even in the last hundreds of years when history has been recorded, that there's been regional places and places of time where God has moved very, very powerfully in, in signs and wonders and miracles and healings. All right. All right, guys. How about a story? You want a story? That'll change the pace. Too. So you got to change the pace before everybody falls asleep, you know. But you guys are, are staying with me. So, so I'm going to give some marriage advice. I'm totally shifting gears for a second, okay? And then I'll come back around. And, and the Bible's coming. All right, don't be nervous. The Bible's still coming. I haven't forgotten the Bible. Uh, so I'm going to give some quick marriage advice for a second. Because, guys, I, I was one of the many, many mistakes I made in marriage is probably my first 10 years of marriage or so. It's like, like Beth would walk in the room and I'd just be like, hey, what's up? And move on. Like in public places. You know, because I, I would talk to her at other times. I mean, we're at church, right? We're, it's business time, you know? I can, I can talk to Beth at home. I can talk to her anywhere else, you know? And, and, and a friend of mine, you know, he mentioned that to me. He's like, you know, why, why don't you ever say hi to her? Why don't you really greet her? So, so I, I learned something is that, first of all, guys, and this is where I'm going to help you out. I'm going to just let this moment sink in. It doesn't matter how long you've been married 
or how long you've had a girlfriend or whatever, you still got to claim them publicly, right? You, you, you got to claim them publicly. You say, that, that's my woman, man. That's my girl. So I, I've made, I made this kind of, you know, when, when now we're in public places and she comes, most of the time I stand up and greet her. I'll give her a kiss on the cheek or whatever and say hello to her. Now, I'm, I'm going to give you some advice, guys. Just start it now. Even if your wife laughs at you for about a month, she won't laugh at you the second month. Because if you, even if she says, well, you're just doing this because Aaron said it. Do it anyway. And just it, it's just, it works out good. But we have a problem. And this is why, here's the problem now. That in our office back here, we share an office. And occasionally I get to the office before her. Occasionally that happens. But uh, so when she comes to the office, I, I get up to, to greet her and give her a kiss. But guys, the static electricity is like a painful experience. We haven't figured out what happened. It's like every time I kiss her, it's like, whoa, you know? And like she like grimaces and, you know? And so we, we've been doing this kind of, uh, I don't know, like a French thing, like kind of kissing, you know, but not like really connecting because I don't know what's going on there. Maybe some of you who understand physics and stuff can, uh, can let us, we need to be grounded. Maybe our love is just so hot. It's just electric. <laughs> After all these years of claiming her publicly. I thought about that. Now we're kind of getting to my first point today. Now, remember, if we, if, we, if, we, if we think about Jesus, if we think about Jesus as an example to us, and Jesus said, you're going to do the same kind of work that we did. Here's my first point today. Here's the characteristic of power in Jesus. Spiritual power transferred from Jesus to other people. So this is a point that I just want to make today from the scripture. Spiritual power transferred from Jesus to other people. So there was something scripturally felt in people when the power of God transferred from, one, from, from the Messiah, Jesus, to someone else. Now, let's look at the story. Brian Lindsay shared this story not too long ago when he preached last month, but it's worth looking at again. Verse 25 of Mark chapter 5. Now, a woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years had endured much under many doctors. She had spent everything she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. How many know that's frustrating when you spend a lot of money and you get, you're worse off? And, and that happens sometimes, especially as, as medicine is developmental, right? I mean, 100 years from now, they won't believe some of the treatments we, we're using today. But yet we're doing treatments today that are, that are blowing our mind. It's just how medicine works. Verse 27, having heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothing. For she said, if I just touch his clothes, I will be made well. Instantly, her flow of blood ceased, and she sensed in her body that she was healed of her affliction. So she knew as soon as a touch happened, there was some kind of power transfer. And verse 30, Jesus affirms this. Jesus said, immediately, Jesus realized in himself that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes. So Jesus knew immediately, like an exchange had happened, the power of God from me to her, the woman who touched the hem of his garment, the, the, you know, the, the edge of his garment felt some power come on her. Luke chapter eight tells the same story, but just to give it further depth, verse 46, Jesus said this, someone did touch me, said Jesus. I know that power has gone out from me. So we are biblically centered people. We're not experientially based people. So from scripture, we can see here that there are occasions 
Or there are times, and if we're doing the work of Jesus, that we're going to feel power. Either we're going to receive power or power, the power of the Holy Spirit, is going to be transferred from us to another person. Now, I give a lot of, you know, examples about myself because I know myself better than anyone else, right? And, and that's what you just, you do when you teach. And I'm going to say something here. I have not had a lot of personal experience in this. I've had personal experience in other things. Uh, I've been healed of some, some sickness, miraculously. And, and I've prayed for people and the Lord has used those prayers to heal people. But I don't have a lot of stories to tell you about, hey, I felt this warmth come over me or I felt something in my arm. And I don't have those stories. I know I'm looking at people in this audience right now who have had those stories that have felt that. But here, here's one of the points I want to make. And here's a good teaching. I am not giving you point one because of my experience. I'm giving you point one because of the scripture. So we don't, we, don't, we don't make doctrine out of experience. Doctrine comes from scripture and experience confirms it. I'm just going to tell you right now, there is somebody in the section you're sitting in right now within three or four rows who have had this experience. I know that because I've been pastoring you guys for a long time and I know a lot of your stories. There are, multiple, there are dozens of people in this room right now at a minimum who have had the same experience as the woman, the woman who touched Jesus's garment. She felt power and, and she knew instantly she was changed. On the contrast, there's some of you who God has gifted you to pray for those to receive healing. And that's been you. You've done the work of Jesus. You felt his power come from you. Now here's the exciting thing. I'm gonna say for me, I think this is exciting. That hasn't been my experience, but it doesn't make my prayer any less valid than anyone who's had that experience. And the results, I can, I can say that through the, through the help of the Lord. You know, that, that people that we prayed for have been healed. So it's not prescriptive, meaning every time it happens this way, it's just one of the ways that God touches people. Okay? So power, power moves it did for Jesus from one person to another. You see that in the book of Acts. So why am I saying all of this? Is that as we began to pray for people, and, and now, you know, that we're, we're, we're going back to our biblical practice of praying for the sick, uh, intangible, laying hands on the sick and praying. Don't be surprised if you feel God's power, like physically hit you in the moment. And as you're praying for someone, don't be surprised if that happens to you. Why? Because it's biblical. Not because it happened to this person, that person. That helps, but it's biblical. And so I'm excited that you're ready to give Jesus glory if he gives you that experience. One of the classic arguments of does, God power, does God's power operate today is an argument that I've even used here of why it's different today. The argument is this, if, if someone has the gift of healing, why are they only ministering in conferences and why are they not at the hospital this morning? Like if you had the gift of healing, why is it that you're not at Vanderbilt Children's Hospital all day long? This, this addresses a misconception about healing. And here it is, number two, and power gifts. Spiritual power is not automatic for believers. 
So if you, if you have power to, to, to prophesy, which means just to say something on God's behalf, if you have power to pray, for, to, that it just seems like when you pray for people, they often get healed. You can't control that gift and make that gift happen. It's under the sovereign will of God. And if you could, you shouldn't be doing it at conferences. You should be at the hospitals. And that's just logical, okay? So let's kind of break down where, where some of this could be. And, and I'm gonna talk about this even some more next week. Next week, I'm gonna talk about uh, a culture for the power of God. So we couldn't give everything in one week, but um, some of my arguments will, will continue into next week. So one of the concerns we have, and one, one, of, the, one of the problems in the charismatic church, and I, I'm, I'm glad, I'm, I mean, I consider myself a charismatic and I'm thankful for that now 60 plus year revival we've been in. But if someone gets a reputation of a prophet, our reputation of a healer, everyone comes out to hear them and then they have to one up themselves the next week. And so what they start doing, they start playing tricks, even subconsciously. They start saying stuff. And it's amazing to me how many prophecies in, in the year 2020, prophecies did not come true. They literally did not come true and there's no outrage about it. There's no accountability for it. But that's a topic for another day. The, the, the power of God on you, if, if, if I were to pray for someone today and God in his sovereign will would cause that person to be healed of diabetes and the next week, 20 people who are diabetic come back because now all this pressure is on me and the eyes are on me like, oh, I'm the diabetic healer. You see where it gets really, really um, it gets really, really difficult when we don't trust the sovereignty of God. So then men and women try to uphold their own reputation and build their own ministry and give people value to their conference fees. And then, then we begin to trick people. We begin to trick people through, through fake signs and wonders. Um, and I don't want to give too much credit to those, but they're out there. We begin to fake out people by saying, thus saith the Lord, which that's a teaching for another day. I heard R.T. Kendall preach this week to uh, Wednesday to a bunch of charismatic people. And he just said, don't say, thus saith the Lord. It's taking the Lord's name in vain. Just say, I thank God is saying this. And, and it was a great teaching. I should have saved it for later. And then I could have been a whole hour, but I just, just, hey, what the Lord has spoken to me, I pass on to you. All right. And so, and so because of this is this, this, this false belief that we have automatic power. We don't have automatic power. We pray for people. We have faith. We have belief. We take risk. We, we do, we believe God for the impossible, but we cannot control the outcome. And if you could, you should be somewhere else. You, you should be going to the, the, the most, you know, the most needy people of the world. So there are times in scripture, we read a couple of scriptures last week where Jesus healed every person present. We read a scripture last week that said, Jesus healed every single person present. But guys, there are times in scripture he did not heal every person present. So some settings he healed every person and some settings he only healed one or he only healed a couple. Or there were some settings where, where there wasn't the right atmosphere and so Jesus didn't do many miracles. 
So Jesus, again, is our example. If he's our example, we know that even he didn't heal every person every time. He could because he's God and we're not. So he had the ability to, but he chose not to because of his example to us. So here's a powerful scripture and I want you to see this. And we'll talk more about this next week if that's the Lord's will. Luke 5, 17. On one of those days while he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and also from Jerusalem and the Lord's power to heal was in him. So it's this concept here that in that moment, in that setting, in that place, the power of God was there to heal. Now, I want to read the New King James Version because it just words it a little differently. The CSB isn't my favorite translation this time, but it says this, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. It's the same passage, it's just a different choice of wording. But that different choice of wording brings us something that it's this idea that Jesus is showing us an example that in this moment, with this group of people, with this setting, the power of the Lord was present there. The problem is when you are a cessationist and you don't believe God's power happens, uh, God's power occurs today, that it ended with the last apostle, you never pray for anyone. You never ask God. You never believe. You just accept the outcomes. But on the other hand, as I, as I explained two weeks, those who, who believe that God has to respond to a formula or God has to respond a certain way, that is also an error that has caused a lot of people to leave the faith and not be open to the power of God. You say, how do you know, Aaron? I talk to those people all the time. And I, and I have for, for, for 25 years. It's just something that the Lord has, it's his grace, I guess, he's given me to talk to people who are disillusioned, who have been manipulated by the power of the Lord. Having had those conversations, I still am about it. And I still, I want, to, I want more of it. But you understand that these somewhat corrections are, are the, the, these points I'm making is trying to give us more confidence to move forward in the future. Now, Paul was an apostle verified of the Lord. But I want to point out some scriptures. At the end of Paul's life, there were people around Paul who, who were sick. Now you're like, well, this doesn't sound very encouraging for healing. Well, keep in mind, Paul, he, 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 people get healed often in the book of Acts around Paul. Often. And the, and the fullness of the Holy Spirit came. But here's just some examples at the end of his life, Philippians chapter 2, verse 25 through 27, Paul wrote this. But I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my need, since he had been lodging, uh, he, had, he has been lodging for all of you and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. So you can look at this a couple of different ways. You can say, well, the mercy of God healed him. Yes, but there seems to be contextually a long period of time when Epaphroditus was ill. Second Timothy chapter four, verse 20. Here's another example. It says, Erastus has remained at Corinth. I left Trophimus, Trophimus, excuse me, how embarrassing, uh, sick, Miletus. I'm obviously not an original Greek scholar, but uh, that's what the 1045 service is for. (laughs) 
I'll be sitting between service going, Trophimus, 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 Trophimus. I go get my key coordinates out. But let's now not let the joke take away from the point. This man that I had a difficult time pronouncing was left because he was ill. First Timothy chapter five, verse 23. First Timothy chapter five, verse 23. Don't continue to drink only water, but use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illness. What? Where's the faith in that? Shouldn't he commanded him through the parchment to be healed? And at his command, Paul can make him, you know, whole? Well, evidently not. I'm not saying this to decrease your faith. I'm saying this because I want you to ask God more. Because what happens is we're like little kids with power toys. We start, we start discovering the power of God. And we're like, I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray. And then we get discouraged and we stop praying for people. Jesus talks about persistence in prayer. Sometimes you got to keep praying, keep praying, keep asking. Like the, like the widow who had to just keep asking Jesus for healing. Here's number three. Spiritual power is providential. This, this, is, this is, I've already made this point, but we'll, we'll emphasize this as we leave. I preached two weeks ago about the already not yet kingdom of God, which means the kingdom of God is already here, but it's not yet manifest. But every time the anointing falls, every time healing occurs, every time revival occurs, the kingdom breaks into the present. So it is that that's God's sovereign will. God's sovereign will is to respond to our prayers. And we pray and we pray persistently and consistently. So this is what Jesus said when the Pharisees asked Jesus about the power of God. John 5, 17, Jesus responded to them, them, my father is still working and I am working also. This is why the Jews began to, to trying all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was calling God his own father. And here's a very important concept, making himself equal to God. So don't, don't think Jesus, Jesus didn't know what he was doing. He, he made himself equal to God. And now he said, truly I tell you, verse 19, the son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son likewise does these things. So, so what is this? This is the sovereignty of God. Jesus chose to submit to the Father out, out of example to us. And he chose to do that because uh, he knew we needed to see that example of we are people submitted to the sovereign providential will of the Father. But here's the deal. A lot of people who believe in the sovereignty of God and the providence of God get lazy spiritually. They, keep at, they quit asking God for miracles. They quit taking risks. They quit, they quit stepping out in faith. This is what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom. So he, he wasn't necessarily a good public speaker. You know, we're, we're looking for a lot of entertainment right now in our, in our pastor's. We, we are. We're looking for a lot of entertainment. They're like stars today. They're like the Christian music stars of the 1980s. I know I'm not, but I'm saying other pastors are <laughs> because we want to be entertained by them. And the funniest pastors are usually, usually the most popular pastors. But here's this. My, my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. 
I mean, what is that power? Again, miracles, signs, wonders, healing, gifts, and manifestations of the Spirit. All right? So this, 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 is, this is where we're at today. Submitted to the sovereignty of God. And realizing that we don't control the gifts of the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who controls the gifts. And understanding that we cannot at will provide miracles for people. Because if we could, we should. I mean, I mean if, we, if we could, if you, don't, you should have a heart to make those miracles happen. But now, under the sovereignty of God, we live with expectation. And we live with faith. And we live with, with a sense of wonder that we ask in confidence. We ask in boldness. We ask in faith. We ask as risk takers for God. We ask beyond the limits of the natural mind. We ask whether or not we see instant results. We keep asking, asking and we keep persistent and we trust in the sovereignty of God. So, Guys, I am calling Christ is Love Church, CIL Church, or whatever you want to call us, one of our four names we've had over the years, <laughs> to keep believing God for the here and now, not for the by and gone in, 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 in the far off future, but here in the here and now, to keep asking, keep believing God for miracles. Keep asking God for a fresh touch of his presence. Keep asking in humility, Lord, is there something you want me to say to someone else? And, and in humility saying, hey, you know, God, I think God may be telling you this. Not in a bombastic, arrogant way of, of trying to draw attention to yourself, but in a humble ethos of Jesus-style ministry. We're going to keep praying for the sick. We're going to keep asking God for creative financial miracles. We're going to keep asking God to reverse the trends of our nation in the last 30 years because there's a statistical trend in the last 30 years that are, is very distressing. That's why I don't want to bring it up anymore. So we, we, we need God to turn around our, our nation and our culture. And so we're going to keep asking. And we're going to not just care for America. We're going to care for the whole world. And we're going to pray for our enemies. And we're going to ask God to bless China and North Korea and Iran, and to turn those nations to Jesus. And, and, and this seems impossible. With man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Some of you have been scared to have faith because you had some kind of bad experience or maybe your heart was disappointed. And you're like, I believed, I believed, but I didn't see the outcome and the timing that I thought I would see. And this message is for you to say, it is God's will for you to believe. It is God's will for you to ask and keep asking. It is God's will for you to expect him to do the miraculous. And we are people that maturity in faith means our faith won't be wrecked by disappointment because we know there's a reckoning in the end when God's gonna make all things right and all things good. Any temporary setback in this life is just, it's just part of the temporary trials that we deal with as we await a greater glory. The greater glory is not just for here. The greater glory is for what's ahead of us. And so I just believe God's gonna stir us up 
and he's going to begin to do this. You know, one of the things I'm excited about is, uh, you know, the Lord told me a couple months ago, Aaron, just start doing what's on your heart again. Obviously submitted to him, you know, obviously submitted to him, but do what I've put on your heart. Do what I put on your heart. And so July 18th and 19th, you know, we're going to have what we're going to call the Refresh Conference. And I'm bringing some spirit-filled ministers in who, who are just going to kind of stir us up in the Lord. It's a, it's a Sunday night. It's a Monday night. You know, and, and, and I'm ex- that, that's just one example. I see that Pastor Aubrey and some of his friends have already been praying. I see that our Thursday prayer group has been faithful for years and I honor them in that. But there's other, other chances the Lord will make it known to us of just how we can just say, God, we're going to believe. We're going to believe. We're going to step out and believe for you to do great things among us. Rob, I want you to join me up here and let's just begin. I'll tell you what, an attitude of prayer, why don't we stand together?